Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. This message is called It's Burning Bush Season. Now, we're reading from Acts chapter 7 today, and this is kind of a famous moment where Stephen, who was a deacon in the early church, he preaches his final message before he gets dragged out and stoned and killed, which is kind of intense. But if I could summarize Stephen's message, he stands up before the entire Sanhedrin, which was like the religious government at the time. And he begins to lay out from the beginning of God's story with his people. And I feel like if I could deduct the point of his message, it's God has always been speaking, but are you listening? Over and over again, he shows these religious leaders how God has been speaking and intervening over and over and over again. And the through line of his message is that they've never listened. They've never listened. And as I was reading this, this section of his message hit me like a ton of bricks. And I knew that I knew that I knew that it was for me. You know when you read the Bible and you're just reading and then you read something and you're like, oh, that's for me. So we're going to be in Acts 7. You can turn. We're starting in verse 20. And this is Moses' story. It's going to be up on the screen. Moses' story. It says, at that time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. And when he was placed outside, remember, in a basket in the river, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and in action. That's interesting. I always thought Moses was the stuttering prophet. I always thought Moses struggled to speak. This says that Moses was powerful in speech and in action. Interesting. Remember it. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? 
Are you thinking of killing me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, 40 years, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses that they had rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and delivered by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. Now, I don't know what stood out to you about that portion of scripture, but there's a few things that kind of blew my mind. The first thing was that Moses is raised in the palace. He's raised with the best of the best. And he comes out at 40 years old and he's on his A game. Do you know what it feels like to be on your A game? Like you just feel like everything's going right and you've got everything that you could ever possibly need. And Moses gets this burden on his heart for his people. And what he does is he goes and he tries to intervene and do something about it. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with this picture, except for the fact that clearly people rejected him and weren't interested. And Moses wasn't the vessel that God needed at that time. Have you ever seen Batman? Batman wasn't the hero that Gotham needed, okay? They needed Harvey Dent. In this story, Moses was not the hero that Israel needed at this time. And what ends up happening is he ends up being cursed by his own people. And they're like, who do you think you are? Like our ruler and our judge? And it says he flees out of terror and fear into the desert for 40 years. And after 40 years, God shows up and he's like, hey, Remember that place where you ran away from? Time to go back. Let me tell you something. You can try and run from people, from circumstances, from trauma, from all of those things. It, 40 years can go by. The Lord is never going to let you forget until you face those things. You don't get off and everybody, oh, if I was just somewhere else, that would solve all of it. Moses is here 40 years in the wilderness and God shows up and he's like, it's time to go back to where you ran away from. 
And it's time for you to do the thing that you actually wanted to do in the first place. Because that burden for his people was actually placed there by God, but it wasn't the right time. And many of us, God has spoken to us. He's spoken words over us. We've had desires in our heart that we've not yet seen. Don't question God puts those in your heart, but then you go through the process because unfortunately, the Lord never uses us on our A-game. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Less of you, more of him. Dying to your own flesh produces righteousness. I wish that the Lord used me in my A-game. I wish. It hasn't worked out for me like that. And so I've just gotten used to feeling crushed 24-7 and having God move in spite of me. And so what happens here is 40 years later, God shows up. And the encounter that we read in Exodus is a little bit different than the one that we read here in Acts 7 in that it has a little bit more detail. Now, I'm not going to read it all, but it's actually hilarious that for three chapters, Moses argues with God. Three chapters long. It says, Moses was tending his father-in-law's sheep, and God shows up, and Moses' response is, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, I want to remind all of us that 40 years earlier, Moses is a prince in Pharaoh's house. What do you mean, who are you? You're exactly the right person. Have you forgotten? What about 40 years ago when you tried to intervene and you were feeling so hot on yourself that you literally marched in and murdered a guy, and now all of a sudden you're like, who am I? Then he goes on. And he says, Lord, but you know that I'm slow of speech. And I always have been. Scripture says that Moses in Egypt was powerful in speech and in action. Is the Bible wrong? Is the Lord confused? I don't know because I think that the trauma of what happened in Egypt and that 40 years in the desert stripped him of his power. It stripped him of his confidence. And here he is at 80 years old and he can't even make a straight sentence. And all he thinks he's good for is tending his father-in-law's sheep because he's been so crushed And I would say Moses was at his breaking point. He's 80 years old. He's on the backside of a desert. He's tending sheep, which in that day was a very low profession. And that's when God decides to show up and say, hey, it's time now. You know, it's at the unlikely times. And I'm telling you right now, that after a season of crushing, 
you feel like you're a shell of yourself. Like, have you ever been through this? Maybe you're in it right now. You feel like, wow, God, why couldn't you have called me when I was like stronger? When I was more excited about everything? When I had that passion and that zeal? And God shows up when you're literally ready to give up. You're on the brink. You're ready to settle in the desert and go, I guess this is my lot in life. And that's when God shows up. And that's exactly how he wants it. Because in order for him to work through you and accomplish his plan, you have to be empty of yourself. I don't know that you and I want to accept that that is the truth. Now, over this last season of my life, everyone, most of you know my story. It's one crisis after another. It's one blow after another. It's one loss after another. And that's when God showed up to me in Acts chapter 7 and was like, it's time now. And you're like, what? And there's a few things that stood out to me here in this moment. And that is that we wrestle with God, we negotiate, and we start making excuses when he shows up. We think that if God shows up in the burning bush in front of our faces and tells us what's next, that we're going to be like, yes, this is the answer I've been waiting for, and we're just going to go. But the reality is we spend lots of time negotiating with God. But God, I don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to be taken advantage of again. I don't want to go through that again. And we start going through, and, you know, when God talks about bringing us back, we all love the, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can't you see it? Forget the former things. But in Moses' situation, he's like, you're going back in. You don't get to forget the former things when there's unfinished things behind you. You don't get to. Because no matter how hard you try, you will never forget. Have you tried to forget things? It's hard. It takes the Holy Spirit. And many times it takes you going and facing that thing before you can actually move forward from it. That's just psychology, let alone the word of God. There's precedent for God bringing you back to the place that you ran away from. There's precedent for God, and I'm not talking about geographically, okay? Sometimes it can be geographical, but many of us in our heart got off the bus at a certain point, and in our heart we are so far away from that place where God first laid that calling on your life, where he first spoke to you and said, son, this is what I've called you to do, where he first showed up in that prayer meeting and gave you a vision of what you were called to do. We are so far away from that now. 
And God shows up in the burning bush and goes, Moses, remember when you had that burden to rescue my people? I'm here now and I want to do it. And Moses is like, but God, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go through that again. Because Egypt and going back represented a place where he was rejected. It represented a place where he was cursed. Actually, the very words that his people used to curse him, who do you think you are? Our ruler and our judge was exactly what the Lord had called him to be. How many of us stepped out in moments and it all backfired? And so now we're like, well, I'm, not, I'm never going back there again. Why would I do that again? Egypt represents rejection. It represents failure. It represents all the things that you hoped for, that you dreamed would happen, that you thought God was going to do, and none of it panned out. And what we do is we go into the proverbial desert, we back right up, put our heads down, and we start tending sheep. And many of us will stay there for the rest of our lives. Because if we don't run the risk of being hurt again, if we don't open ourselves up to whatever God wants to do, see, there's no guarantees. Many of you have callings on your life that you have run from. You have words that God has spoken over your life. You have destiny, you have purpose. But because things didn't go the way that you thought, you've built the walls and you've separated yourself and you've protected yourself so that you don't have to go through any of that again. This is what we do. We all do it. But what starts to happen when we live like that is we start feeling more and more and more disconnected. And then no matter where we are, we don't feel home. No matter where we are, we think, God, this can't be it. Is this it? Because the desert is not your home. The in-between place is not your home. Where you've run to, to escape the pain, is never going to make you feel like you are home. No matter how hard you try, you will always feel like something is just out of sync. And God shows up to Moses. And I want to say to you in this place that the time is coming. And maybe it's already here. That you're done in the desert. Your, your time is coming to an end in the desert. The rug's going to get pulled out from underneath you and the Lord's like, you're done tending your father-in-law's sheep, Moses. 
It's time to go do what I've really called you to do. It's time to go be the leader that I've called you to be. It's time to take your crushed, broken, finished at the end of your rope self and surrender and go, God, whatever your plan is for me, let it happen. And I love the interactions with Moses and you can study it on your own. But God is like so patient and he starts like, trying to like make concessions and negotiate with Moses. He's like, fine, Moses, your brother can talk for you, whatever. <laughs> He's like exasperated. It says like the Lord was so angry with Moses that he just was like, fine, whatever, like your brother. It's like, if you have kids, I got one kid. She's at the back on the video switcher. She knows how to wear you down. Ooh. And I got what was coming to me because my nickname as a kid was Badger Bear. And she just, she keeps going and going and going until you're like, fine, I can't listen to this anymore. And that is kind of a hilarious moment that happens with Moses and God. And God was angry with Moses, but it wasn't like a wrath. It was like a Whatever, I have a plan to accomplish and you're the vessel that I'm using and he just kind of hoofs him out. <laughs> but God was able to do that because ultimately Moses said yes. He surrendered. He gave up. He's like, well, you know what? I could use a little adventure in my life. I'm sick attending these sheep. I grew up in Pharaoh's house. I was educated by the best of the best. I grew up in the most powerful kingdom on earth, and here I am for 40 years tending sheep. And what God spoke to was the little shred that was still left inside Moses that had some semblance of hope that surely his life meant more than this. And that's the part of you that I'm speaking to today. If you have any shred left inside you that maybe you're called to something a little bit more than tending your father-in-law's sheep, will you be willing when God shows up in the burning bush, you got no confidence left. How many of you I've heard, oh, I used to preach. I used to speak. I used to do this. I used to do that. I used to do that. It's a whole bunch of has-beens. And God's showing up and he's like, are you ready? Because the difference between Moses when you tried to intervene last time was that wasn't my time. And many of us, in our zeal and in our excitement, stepped out, but it wasn't God's timing. And you and I weren't the people that God needed us to be. We weren't vessels that were ready for him to work. Can we accept that? That God shows up when you are a shell of yourself, ready to give up. And that that's when he calls you to do the big thing. As I was studying this, 
I was laughing at the exact same words that were used to accuse Moses were actually Moses' calling. And there's some of you in this place. You had parents, you had leaders, you had people in your life that literally accused you of things that you're actually called to do and to be. Accused you like it was a bad thing. And you ran in the opposite direction. And the Holy Spirit's going to start resurfacing some of those things that you've told yourself, who do I think I am? Now Moses is here and he's like, I, uh, I, I stutter, Lord. There's this whole section of scripture in Hebrews 12. And this is where I'm landing this plane in a practical sense because I know that I can see myself in this story. And there's so many places that I ran from because things went bad. I grew up my entire life writing, writing poetry, writing my feelings, writing, you know, like David was like my guy. And years, 10 years ago now, my friend and I, a few of us, we started a band. And we started writing songs and they started pouring out the songs. And we started playing shows and we started traveling and people started coming and industry people started coming and we started sitting at the table with like record labels and like, wow, this could actually happen. And the entire thing fell apart. And by the end, we all hated each other. I don't know that we all really spoke for a couple of years after the whole thing blew up. And we were just destroyed. I was destroyed. I can't speak for them. I was destroyed on the inside of my soul. And I didn't write another song for 10 years. 10 years. And over this last season, as I was reading this, I've been through a lot, you know, a lot in this last few years. And I felt trapped. And everybody, my doctors, everybody kept saying, you got to journal. You got to write stuff down. You got to get it out. And it was like, I was like, no. I'm not going back there again. I'm not doing it again. And all I could see was what happened last time. And I can't go through that pain again, that letdown, that unraveling of hopes or dreams or, and look where I am now. Like I'm making it through following Jesus one step at a time, eating fruit. 17 days left, pray for me. <laughs> and I'm reading this chapter and God's like, you can't run away forever. And I sat down. And I wrote my first song. And I cried through the whole time. And then I wrote another one and another one and another one. 
And I got a whole record pouring out right now. And God's like, it's my time. That wasn't my time. And here I am feeling like a shell of myself. Man, when I was 24, I had all the confidence in the world, got up in stage in front of hundreds of people playing with metal bands. And here I am, woo, like not a care in the world. Now I'm like, oh, I'd have to gear myself up for like a good week to even just get up there. And here I'm Moses. I'm like, God, I stutter. I can't do this. I, I can't, I can't do what you're asking me to do. But there's this whole chapter in Hebrews, and I'm going to read it because it just rocked me. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And then it goes into this funny little section. And it says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. In other words, you are complaining that this is hard for you. And the author's like, you haven't shed your blood yet. You're still here. You're still alive and breathing to read this text. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. It didn't have to turn out that way. It didn't have to be this hard. I didn't have to go through this. What was the point of all of it? The point was God was treating you as his children. And his children, he lets them go through hard things. Another translation says, do not show contempt for the Lord's discipline. It goes on to say, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, this is Bible time, so things have changed. Then you are not legitimate. I'm sorry, did the Bible just say that if you don't go through hard things, you're not legitimate? I think it did. You are not true sons and daughters at all. 
Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees and get up and make level paths for your feet because the Lord only disciplines the people he loves. Now, I did a little digging into this discipline because when we think of discipline, we think of like spanking. We grew up in the 80s and 90s, okay? <laughs> discipline is the Lord is spanking you right now. He's punishing you. Actually, the word discipline here in the Greek means to train. So, newsflash, I'm one of those people. I go to the gym on a regular basis. And I had a trainer for about three years. And this trainer did not beat me. He did not whip me. He did not scourge me. He trained me. He made me do hard things. He made me do things that I felt that I did not have the capacity to do. He stretched me beyond how far I thought I could stretch. He made me carry things that I thought were too heavy for me to carry for the purpose of what? Training. To help you to grow stronger that's the purpose of training. You know, in sports and athletics, I was watching the Netflix documentary about the quarterbacks. They highlight three different quarterbacks. And Patrick Mahomes was going through his whole training. Okay, this is Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl champs, KC, you know, considered best quarterback in the league right now. And his trainer, during the week, pushes him and trains him harder than any energy he will ever exert in a game. Because if he trains harder than the game will require for him, then when he steps into the game, there's an ease about it. Because he's already trained harder for this. This is the nature of training, okay? In everyday life, I don't push 600-pound sleds or squat 250 pounds. I do those things so that when I have to run up a big flight of stairs or I have to carry groceries in from the car, that stuff doesn't bother me because I've been pushed beyond my limits. That's what this means. The Lord pushes you beyond your limits. He makes things very hard for you. Because he loves you, he cares about you, and he knows that when you step into what he's called you to do, because you've done all these heavy things, that you're just going to be able to do it with a grace and with an ease. He knows the methods. He knows the people. He knows the tools that you need to be trained for what he has called you to do. So the next time you're sitting around, God, that didn't have to happen that way. 
Surely I could have gotten this somewhere else, in another church, with another pastor. Surely this wasn't the only way, Lord. And he's like, no, this was the way. I chose the way for you. And then it says, and don't show contempt for it either. Because if you look at the way that he trained you and you hate it, you reject the discipline. And you say, God, you did a bad job. And you remove yourself from your place as his son and daughter. It says later in Hebrews 12, the Lord is speaking. Do not reject his voice. Do not have contempt for the way the Lord has chosen to bring you. That's Hebrews 12. Not only does that word mean training, it means specific learning that molds character. It means instruction. It means to discipline a person or a group so that they can function the way that God intended them to function. Are you hearing me right now? Maybe five of you are hearing me. I don't know. But everything that you have endured is so that you can function the way that he has called you to function. Everything, every hardship that you have endured as discipline was designed to mold your and my character so that we could be who he called us to be. We live in a world that's obsessed with trauma. Obsessed with it. Obsessed. How many people settle and discount themselves and it's over because of what they went through? And we serve a God that says that he turns all things around for the good of those who love him, which means every painful thing, even the stuff that no, you should have never had to go through that. It's a slippery slope, guys. I shouldn't have to have cancer. That's not fair. What did I ever do to deserve this? So what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to get angry at God? How could you let this I have served you. I've given up everything for you. This is the world we live in. This is someone who has contempt. Did God give me cancer? Absolutely not. But he knows how to use it to train me, to help mold me and shape me and turn it all around on its head and use it for good. But only if I let him. Because you can take the discipline of the Lord. And it says later in the chapter, read Hebrews 12, do not become bitter. It's right there in black and white. Because that's what can happen when you reject the Lord's training. When you reject the way that he chose to take you, you become bitter. And so many of us in this world are on the cusp right now of making that choice 
that we can become bitter right now. And many of us have very valid reasons, and I'm not here to discount or invalidate what you have gone through. But I am here to say that the word of God is either your standard of truth or it's not. And the question about the Lord's discipline I wrote here is will we recognize the meaning and the purpose of God's discipline and respond with trust and willingness? The desert was Moses' discipline. It was Moses' training. And let me tell you something. Besides murdering the Egyptian, which was bad, okay, murder was not on God's, like, plan for people. Besides that, there was nothing inherently wrong with Moses wanting to rescue his people. God doesn't discipline you because you're bad. Discipline is not a spanking. Discipline is training in this Bible, okay? If you're a child, mommy and daddy are there to help you. If you have to get your iPad taken away, okay? Or you're not allowed to watch TV, don't get angry at mommy and daddy because they're doing that because they love you. They can see more than you at eight years old, London, can see. They've got the big picture in mind. So when they're doing things that in the moment might be a little bit painful, Blythe, they're doing it because they love you. Adults, he's doing it because he loves you. It makes sense when I talk to the kids about it. But then when it happens to us, it's like, oh. God, God just doesn't work this way. I, I wasn't listening. He would have told me to run a long time ago if I was listening. <laughs> no. No, don't discount yourself that much. If you have the Holy Spirit and he wants you to run, he's going to tell you to run. And if he didn't, you endured it as discipline and training. And you have become everything that the Lord designed you to become in the first place. Thank him for it. See, it's not enough to just move on from the past. And I'll quote Rob, one of our elders. Freaking profound truth. It's not enough to forgive. That has to turn into gratitude. You have to be able to look at the way that the Lord trained you and be grateful for it. And that's the hard part. Many of us will go, okay, I acknowledge that it did good for me. And that's my line. And the Lord's like, oh no, give me thanks. Give me praise. All my life, he has been faithful do you actually believe that? Because if you have contempt for the way that he chose to take you, you don't actually believe that all your life. We sing, all my life you have been faithful, except for 2001 to 17. 
Robin, you can come. I'm going to end on a high note. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This truth set me free. The Bible says the truth will set you free. This truth set me free. That I don't have to look at even the 40 years in the desert that seemed like wasted time, that seemed hard, that seemed like one big letdown. God can show up in one moment and change everything. He's ready to speak. Are you ready to hear him? Are you ready to hear what he has to say to you? Because I got a feeling in my spirit that there are some people in here that you have been running and running and running and running. Because of the trauma, because of the disappointment, because of the pain. And I'm here to encourage you today that we serve a Jesus who endured pain, suffering, and gave his physical life, which no one in this room has done. So that we could look at the hard things. And maybe that's what some of us need to tell ourselves over this last and next few weeks is, you know, the meme, I can do hard things. The scripture is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen, Mackenzie. She knows the scripture. I think daddy quotes that one a lot. Right, Lino? When you think about those hard moments, rewire. I did hard things because you carried me through it. He's going to show up to some of you in this next season and he's going to ask you to do something. I don't know what it is, but it's going to seem like a leap. It's going to seem like a risk and it's going to draw up everything that you've been afraid of. And what you can trust is that if he's called you to do it, he's equipping you to do it. He's trained you for it. You don't go and run a marathon without having run a step. You train. And if God shows up and asks you to step out, asks you to do something that you've never done, he's trained you for it. He's prepared you for it. And most of all, it's evidence that he loves us. Do you know how freeing that is? To be able to go, wow, here I am. I got A, B, C, and D, and all these odds against me, and all these hard things. And God, you allowed them because I know you love me. And you're making me. You know, the discipline of the Lord, actually, there's a disclaimer in the Baker's Encyclopedia, which is a biblical encyclopedia. It says, the discipline of the Lord is not harsh. 
many of us have contempt for discipline because we had harsh fathers. We had harsh pastors. We were abused. But the Lord's discipline is never harsh. And I'm so grateful that he gets to choose the way, not me. We're going to stand today and we're going to pray. We're going to remember that what makes us, if you're a parent, you get this. If you're not, track with me. You see other people's kids. I think that's enough. What makes you a good parent is that you see the whole picture and you're able to cause your children temporary pain for the long-term gain. And for many of us, God has allowed temporary pain but it's for the long-term gain. It's for his plan and his purpose. And the desert season is coming to an end. You know what's funny about Moses is he spent 40 years in the desert and then he went back to Egypt and guess where he went back out to? Yikes. Yikes. Don't get too... Uh, attached don't get too comfortable because following Jesus is supposed to be an adventure and if you're not moving forward you're moving back and I think that God's showing up and no he's not sending you out to preach to thousands of people or but he's awakening things that have been dead. And he's going to call you to take steps further and deeper into following him and trusting him. And Lord, we want to hear you. I'm going to pray this scripture over us. It's at the very end of Hebrews 12, which... Just reading that whole chapter and getting the big picture is something I encourage everyone to do. And it comes full circle to Moses. Full circle. It says, you, 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 you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion, 
to the city of the living God, his church, the heavenly Jerusalem, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. This is our God. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. God, I thank you that just as you showed up and you consumed that bush in front of Moses, your word says that you come and that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. God, we thank you that you are a consuming fire, that you purify, that you know how to make us everything that we need to be, that you alone hold the image for our design. And God, forgive us if we've held contempt for the way that you've chosen to purify us. Forgive us if we have despised your training. God, we ask that you would give us grateful hearts, that you would transform the pain, the trauma, the injury, the disappointment into gratitude, God. That you have always been good to us, that your goodness has never left us. And Holy Spirit, now, even as we stand here, I pray that like that burning bush that you would burn on the inside of each and every one of us, that you would speak to us, that you would stir up those callings, those desires, those things that we ran away from, that you would show us in this next season where you want to take us, that the places that we've become distant and cold, God, that you would help us tear down the walls of self-protection and all of the things that keep us from you, God, that keep us from loving people, that keep us from being able to be that city on a hill, that light, 
God, you have such great plans for every, every single person in this room. We thank you for the hard things. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for the ways that you chose. We thank you, God, for the seasons that are in the desert. We thank you for what you're doing in each and every life. Speak loud and clear, Lord, as we seek you in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.